and welcome to mini episode 37 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Jennifer Orr, Jackie Fanatia, Emily Taub, April Gatlin, Shauna, Stella Maddox, Kate Rust, Zane Doyle, Paula C, Mia Lindbergh Jorgensen, Ptolemy Einhorn, Abigail Ferryman, Holly, Anna Foley, Jen Boyack, Lynn Sawyer, Ashley Rivers, Kate Sharpock, Rose Orbach, Molly Dugan, Jennifer McAlpin, Caitlin Mitschke, Loki Larson, Mercedes Barrios, Alison Grace, Sharanya Ramesh. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you so much. We surely do. And before we kick off with our listeners' stories today, we've we had a couple of uh, like media things in the last couple of weeks that I haven't mentioned. We were number 13 in Podcast Magazine's top true crime and horror podcasts for October. Apparently that's a voting system. So thank you if you voted. We really yeah, appreciate it. Like That's incredible. <laughs> Uh, we were also featured on RTE, unless you're Irish, you're not going to know what RTE is. Probably it's like the radio and television network of Ireland, the main one, one of their top five podcasts to listen to for October. And also we were featured in a blog. Uh, it was top 45 ghost stories podcasts. We were number four. I was going to say Very we nice. were number 45, but we were number four. <laughs> And that was from Feedspot. And I'll leave the link to that in the show notes for this episode because there's loads of podcasts in there. And everybody's always looking for spooky podcasts at this time of year. And I think we're a Mongo company. So if, you, if you're looking for some new spooky podcasts, I'll leave the link in the description for this episode. So thank you if you voted for us. If you, I don't know, told somebody about us because, you know, these, these TV and media people find us eventually. So if you wrote about us. Thanks. Yes, if you wrote about <laughs> us, thank you. We really, we're, we're just really appreciative. Thank you so much. And our first story today. Please be about picnics. Please be about picnics. Please be about picnics. Story number one comes from Sam and it's from February the 6th of this year. My story happened about 15 years ago in Sydney, Australia. When I used to think of haunted houses, my mind immediately used to go to old hospitals or orphanages or places shown in TV shows like Most Haunted. As Australia is still fairly young compared to places like Europe. I was wrong. And absolutely do not think that anymore. I was about 16 or 17 years old and finishing up my final year at school. My parents had separated a few years earlier and my older sister and brother were getting older and wanted to move out of home so my mother and I were looking to move into a smaller house for just the two of us. Due to us owning a small dog, it was harder for us to find a place to live. But as I had a friend who was a real estate agent, she tried to help us out. A friend of a friend of hers mentioned that they were just about to put their house up for lease and we could move in almost straight away. They had no issues with the dog and were happy for the dog to mainly stay inside. My mother and I decided to view the house before accepting, as the house was mid-renovation. The bathroom was newly renovated and the kitchen looked like it was just about to be renovated. They had a fish tank in the lounge room with fish in it and an unmade bed in the bedroom at the front of the house, which would end up being mine. The owner of the home quickly showed us around and mentioned that when he was finished showing us the house, 
that he was going home, as he and his wife had moved back in with her family instead of living in the house. It looked as though they had just downed tools in the house and stopped working and moved out. But my mother and I chalked this up to them running out of money for the renovation, signed the lease and started packing. Before moving in, the owners put up fences in the backyard for the dog and did further work on the kitchen for us to be ready to move in. The extra work they did on the house wouldn't have been cheap to do, so it wouldn't make sense for them to be renting it out to save money. But the lease was signed, so we just figured we would have amazing landlords and didn't think anything further on the subject. Moving day went as well as expected, and as the day was coming to an end, I put my mum's bed together so she could have a good night's sleep and my mattress was just put on the floor, as I would put my bed together the next day. That night, I went to bed the same time as my mum, and just as I was drifting off to sleep, I heard a loud bang, which sounded like a bag of nuts and bolts had landed with a thump on the floor in the lounge room, followed by someone in heavy boots pacing up and down the hallway. My mother shouted out at me, asking me what I was doing and to stop making so much noise, and to go to bed to which I shouted back out to her that I was in bed, and I thought she was walking back and forth in the hallway. After a few tense minutes, the noise and the footsteps didn't come back, so we agreed we must have just been tired and fell asleep. The next few days went by without any incident. However, even though we had moved in the middle of summer, I found that I never needed to use a fan in my bedroom. It was substantially colder than the rest of the house and as soon as you walked out of my bedroom into the hallway the house would warm up until you opened the door of the lounge and the aircon would greet you. One afternoon about a week after we had moved my dog woke up, ran to the window in the lounge room and was blocked by a piece of wood and started barking and jumping at the corner of the window. The corner was next to the front door So assuming that someone was at the door or walking up the steps, I got up, opened the door and there was nothing there. Every single day after that, my dog would bark at the window and jump up like an excitable puppy would do when you're patting your thighs, encouraging the dog to jump up and say hello. A few weeks after we moved in, my mother announced that my brother, who was meant to be moving in with my sister, had a change of plan and would be moving back in with us. Due to the lack of space, he arranged for a caravan to be parked on the grass outside of our house and would only come in for showers and laundry or if mum had made a special dinner. The day my brother moved in was the day things started physically happening in our house. My mum and I were sitting in the lounge watching TV when a picture of my brother as a child fell. The picture wasn't on the wall but was using the stand from the photo frame so it would stand on a slight backwards angle and not exactly upright. The picture didn't just slide down like the stand had given way, but had flipped over and landed picture side down as if someone had knocked it over. As this was an old frame, it didn't have glass, but if it had, the glass would have broken from the force that the picture had fallen. The vacuum cleaner would often turn on and off at random times, which we always thought might just be old electrical wiring in the house. The kitchen cupboards would often be open, which we thought would come down to my mum or I not closing the door completely. However, this hasn't happened in any other house, nor in any house since leaving that one. 
One day when walking into the kitchen, I walked past the bathroom which my brother must have recently used because he had left the toilet seat up. As I was passing the open door out of the corner of my eye, both the toilet seat and the lid which was leaning back against the tank of the toilet slammed down. My dog then started barking and jumping at the window which freaked me out considerably. My brother came inside one night to use the shower just before going out with some of his friends. He informed his friends that he would be in the house and not the caravan and to wait from inside the house so my mum could say hello. While my brother was in the shower, his friend had arrived and we were talking when we heard my brother shouting from the bathroom. As we had the lounge door shut, it was muffled, but on my mum's request, I went into the hallway to find out what he was shouting about. I knocked on the door and asked what was going on and he said to stop banging on the door. He was almost finished and he'd be out in a minute. Assuming he was saying my knocking was banging on the door, I didn't think anything of it and just went back to the lounge room. When he walked out, he was adamant that someone was banging and he thought the hinges were about to come off the door the banging was so loud. However, nobody else in the house heard the bangs. We only heard his shouting. After that, my mum had decided that she didn't feel comfortable sleeping in her bedroom as she felt a lot of unease as soon as she stepped into the hallway and decided to start sleeping on the couch in the lounge room. She would tell me each morning that she would see lights flashing and dark shadows in the hallway, but never felt like she was in any danger, just very uneasy. We had both agreed that you never felt at ease in the house and even if you were alone, you always felt like someone was watching you. Later in the year to celebrate my mum's birthday, we decided to take family photos in the lounge room of the house as my mum often mentions that she never has nice photos of all of her kids together. I'd been given a brand new digital camera for my birthday a few months earlier and was planning on studying photography so I arranged to take the pictures. When we went to look at the photos on the computer, there wasn't one image which was clear. When we looked at them and googled it, all the photos had paranormal orbs in them. Some had more than others, but one which left us most unsettled was the one that was over my sister's face. We never gave those photos to mum, and I've never had that show up on any photo since. One day, during winter school holidays, I was at home and my mum was at work. It was a nice day in winter, but I had all the windows closed as well as the lounge door shut just in case I saw anything in the hallway that my mum had seen every night. I was watching TV with my dog asleep on my lap. One second he was snoring away and the next second his head was up, his ears were straight up and he was looking at the window. Assuming that he was just about to jump off my lap and bark and jump at the window like he normally does, I didn't think much of it. But my dog didn't move and continued to stare at the window. I looked over at the window and froze. The Venetian blinds of the window were folded down and had three strings on the right-hand side of the blinds. Two different strings to open and close the blinds and the other to fold them all up to have the whole window open. These three strings were swinging around in a large circle. There was no breeze outside. There was no draft in the house. However, 
these three strings swung around in a circle for around three minutes. Both my dog and I were frozen, just staring at this, when all of a sudden, the strings suddenly jolted to a stop. They didn't lose momentum and then suddenly stop. It was like someone had grabbed them and made them stop. I picked up the dog and my phone and ran to my room to call my mum. She told me to get out of the house. She was leaving work and not to go back inside until she was there. The whole time we lived in that house, we often told people that it was haunted and people would never believe us. But they always agreed that something just never really felt right in the house. A friend of my sister's came around one day and mentioned that she felt a spirit of a lady in the house and that it didn't mean us any harm. We all sort of laughed it off and didn't really think she had any credibility behind the statement. It became a bit of a joke. I went on a ghost tour for a friend's birthday. That was a bit of a flop and my friends agreed and said that we would have saved a lot of money if we had just gone to my house. When the time came to renew our lease, my mum and I decided that we couldn't live in the house anymore. The 12 months of living there, we never talked to our neighbours and I had finished school so could contribute financially which meant that we could move into something larger, so there wasn't really anything keeping us there. The day we moved, our next-door neighbour came out of the house and spoke with my mum for the first time since she had moved in. They chatted for around 20 minutes, and then my mum came into the house and told me what they had talked about. Before the couple who bought the house moved in, the house had belonged to a little old lady, She was well known in the neighbourhood as she would spend her days in the lounge room sitting in the corner of the window looking out onto the street. The same corner and window that my dog would bark at every day. Due to her age, she had died in the house. She passed away in her sleep. The room that she died in was the room that I was sleeping in that was always the coldest room in the house. After she died, the young couple bought the house with the intention of renovating it and moving in. However, as the man worked out of state a lot, the young woman found herself in the house alone. The neighbour mentioned that one night, not long after they had moved in, the young woman started frantically knocking on their door, insisting that someone was in the house and her partner was not in town. The neighbour went over to the house to search it, but found the house completely empty. As he went back into his house to let the woman know that there wasn't anybody there, they were both stood at the window where they could clearly see the lounge room window and saw the lights flick on and off and a shadow walking past the window. The next door neighbour agreed to let her stay the night and she refused to go back into the house, resulting in her and her partner moving back in with her parents and no longer living in the renovated house. The neighbour agreed that the house was haunted and didn't want to talk to us for fear that we would mention things that were happening as he didn't want anything making its way over to his house. As soon as we moved out of the house, nothing further happened to us. The dog stopped barking and jumping up at nothing. Lights and shadows stopped showing up and both my mum and I felt at ease again and truly felt like nobody was watching us anymore. My friend, who was the real estate agent, mentioned that the couple ended up selling that house and the few times since leaving when I've driven past it, it looks like new people have moved in. 
Nothing else has happened to me since moving. But I will never forget the year that I lived in that house and the truly spooky things that we saw. I'm not surprised. That sounds very, very terrifying. Do you want to know my favourite bit of that whole story? The dog. Well, I I love a good dog, yeah, that's very true. But the fact that the old lady ghost was so annoyed at her brother leaving the toilet seat up. Yeah. I can imagine her being like, you filthy bastard, and then slamming the, the toilet seat down. Like, I feel that. You feel that energy. I'm here for it. You feel that energy. Yeah, there's lots of creepy poltergeist activity going on here, really, isn't there? And the boots in the hallway. I didn't like the boots in the hallway. No. Boots in the hallway was interesting. It doesn't doesn't scream little old woman to me. No, it doesn't. Unless she was a little old woman who liked a pair of Doc Martens, in which case... Yeah, I was going to say, your, you your boots are fairly stumpy. Yes, they are. That's true. But you are fairly stumpy. Uh, <laughs> how dare you? How? I mean, I, I look, listen, I'm a very loud person. There's nothing petite or elegant or graceful about me. It's just the way I am. It's very true to form for haunted houses isn't it like it seems to have that seems to have been a problem until they started renovating that seems yeah like that does seem to be quite a quite a thing remember the story we did about the house in Galway yep like nothing nothing happened to them until the house was renovated but then I guess if you're a ghost and you don't realise you're a ghost and then you can't see the other people but then your house starts changing you'd probably start kicking off a little bit as well oh, I'd be stomping around too yeah I'd be, I'd be well annoyed stomping around more than you normally do <laughs> oh, this is very passive aggressive. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here, but have you got? Do, do we need to have a conversation? I'm, I'm sorry. Am I stressing really you out with my stomping? You don't really stomp around. Those boots are heavy, though. The Doc Martens are heavy, so you, I see what you're saying about the the old lady. If she had some proper boots on, she could be doing the boot stomping. Uh, this, to be honest, this old lady is my kind of ghost. I'm feeling her energy. I know it's not mustn't be very nice to live in a situation where an old lady ghost is like turning lights on and off and your dog's barking at her and she's leaving cupboards open or slamming them. But I'm feeling her energy. It's always, you know, don't you? If it's a kid or a dog or an animal of some description acting strangely. It's a ghost. It's definitely a ghost. Almost 100%. I also like the thing about the photos where the whole batch was not very good. And particularly the bit where the orb was over her sister's face, it says, reminded me of like Back to the Future where the photo's like fading. Yeah, I've never seen Back to the Future, so can't relate. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What did I tell you recently that I hadn't seen either? It was something else that was really obvious and you were quite upset about the fact that I haven't seen it. I think it's most films, most Mm -hmm. classic films that I go to you. Oh yeah, it's like that. And you're like, I haven't seen it. The other other side of that is that I probably have seen it. I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. That's the other thing. Because sometimes (laughs) I look back at like film reviews that we've done or whatever and I think, I've never seen that film. But I must have. I must have at some point. It's the endless sinister debate, isn't it? Where we've watched it at least twice and you claim you still haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And our second story today comes all the way from Singapore. Ooh. So this story comes from Cheryl and was also sent in on the 6th of February. Are you ready? Never ready. My country is a cosmopolitan melting pot of different cultures with influences from the indigenous Malays who first lived here, the Chinese and Indian immigrants who moved there subsequently when the island was under British colonial rule, as well as our regional neighbours in Southeast Asia. Similarly, our ideas of the supernatural, superstition and religion are a pervasive and unconscious part of our lives, 
intermingling and woven into our social fabric. We do our best to ensure that all religious and cultural practices are respected. Hence, it is common to see a mosque, a church, a Buddhist temple and a Hindu temple within the same neighbourhood and sometimes sharing the same building. We're a modern country, I think, but it's also not unusual to see Taoist neighbours burning offerings of joss paper goods and hell money to provide some pocket money and comfort for dead family, or to hear that someone has consulted a fortune-telling parrot about future prospects. We even have a hungry ghost festival for the entire duration of the seventh month of the lunar calendar, where the Chinese diaspora in Southeast Asia, it is no longer common in mainland China, especially after the Cultural Revolution, believe the gates of hell are opened and the ghosts of the dead are let out for a brief respite to vacation in the land of the living. Live performances, known as getai, are organised during this period to entertain the ghosts. At these events, professional singers are decked out in fantastic outfits and perform late into the night. The living also attend these performances, but are always careful to leave the front row of the seating areas empty for the main VIPs. Many offerings of food and money are also placed on the roadsides or outside houses for the visiting ghosts. Friends who have the third eye say that this is the one of the most unsettling periods for them, because they often see these spirits swarming around the offerings trying to get a taste because their family may have neglected to burn hell money for them, and this was their only opportunity for a free treat. Supernatural occurrences are also particularly active during this time. The telling of ghost stories are also a casual pastime and a fun activity to do during school camps. And so, over the years, I've accumulated stories of ghosts and various Malay hantu, which are supernatural entities, such as Pontianax, who love to sit on banana trees to look out for their next prey, Polkongs, who hop around looking for people to help untie the top knots of their death shrouds, and Toyos, who have the potential to protect or wreak havoc at the bidding of their Bomo masters. I've had some strange experiences myself, but the most disconcerting stories to me are those told by my little brother and his experiences while he was overseas in Taiwan. My brother is one of the most unflappable and least superstitious people that I know. So when he does open up to tell me his stories on the rare occasion, I do feel the extra chill. The first story happened when he was doing his national service in the Singapore Armed Forces. In Singapore, it is mandatory for boys who are between the ages of 18 or 19 to serve in the military for two years and he was assigned to be a weapons specialist in one of the toughest battalions, the Commandos. He had been sent to Taiwan on a very arduous joint military exercise where he and his unit were dropped in one of the country's dense mountain jungles and had to find their way out alive. My brother and his unit spent three days enduring sweltering heat in the day and near hypothermic nights as the cold mountainous air devoid of the sun's warmth, chilled their sweat-soaked uniforms that refused to dry. 
My brother recalled hearing strange voices whispering all around in the middle of the night while he was on guard duty, even though his unit had been all silent in exhausted sleep. As they trekked in the day, one of the paths that had been marked as straight and true previously disappeared and became a steep ravine when they retraced their steps. The markers they had placed to prove that they had traversed the area would be spotted on the other side of the ravine that was impossible for them to cross. But most chilling of all was the experience of one of his unit's scouts. The scout had been walking ahead of the main unit, clearing a safe path for them, when he came across a single wooden clog shoe resting against a tall tree. The scout thought it was weird, as the mountainous jungle was not accessible by civilians for this particular exercise. But he had seen many strange things before in the course of his scouting over the years, and he moved on. However, every few hundred metres or so down the road, he would encounter the same shoe, leaning against another tree, as if it was following him. It is a testament to the guts and loyalty of these boys because he decided to not acknowledge this strange occurrence and focus on keeping his unit safe. He thought that perhaps this entity belonged to the mountain and would leave him alone when they finally got out of that terrible place. They eventually made it to base camp on the third day and it was a mad rush for a shower and some hot food. After he finished his turn in the shower and was returning to his barracks, one of the boys from the unit stopped him and said, Hey, why do you have a wooden clog shoe tied to your bed corner? Whatever it was had followed him to the base camp. My brother saw him quietly untie the shoe and dispose of it, and he later sought help from a local shaman to dispel the spirit. It never bothered the scout again. The second story happened while we were on vacation in Taiwan two years ago. We had joined a tour group that was bringing us around one of the more rural parts of the country. One night, my brother dreamt of a group of children holding his hand, asking him for something. He then woke up to a very heavy, paralysing weight pressing down on him, and he struggled to move or breathe. He wanted to dismiss this as sleep paralysis, and fought to relax and get his body to unlock. But then he heard a child's laughter and felt a malevolent presence beside his bed. Come and play with us. He heard a child's voice say beside his ear. My brother felt an overwhelming sense of dread that if he said yes, things would not end very well for him. So he struggled to open his mouth and he whispered, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. I can't play with you right now. The presence seemed to press down further on him in anger, but my brother remained firm. Then slowly the presence eased up and dissipated. He got up, went to the toilet and went back to sleep, stoic as ever. The next day we noticed that he looked a little sleep deprived, and after some pressing he told us the story like it was no big deal. We're Christians, so we prayed for him. Fortunately, we were set to move to a new hotel the next night and he never had a repeat experience. I have to admit, 
that many of the traditions that I mentioned earlier, such as Getai and Parrot Fortune Teller, are dying and becoming a thing that only those of older generations follow. The scepticism of science and logic pervade our culture today, and I often question whether the strange experiences I've had or hear about are actually due to the supernatural. But when I see the flickers of discomfort showing through my stoic brother's face, when he tells me his stories on those rare, rare occasions, I can't help but feel a little grateful that we've got older generations keeping these traditions alive. Just in case. That is a fantastically written, well-written piece of writing. That is really, like, just explained it really well. But how terrifying. You know how we always talk about simplistic horror being the most terrifying? Yeah. How terrifying is that clog? Just That clog can fuck right off. A solitary clog. No, I just can't. And and the fear of that scout seeing it over and over again and the, yeah. the wherewithal to go, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm We're just going to deal with this. I can't even imagine that feeling of somebody going, why have you got a clog tied to the end of your oh, bed? I'd be like, fuck that clog. My heart sunk and I wasn't even there. I tell you what, I'd take that clog Oof. and I'd boot it into the middle of the ravine. But again, it's just that, that stoicism, isn't it? Like all the way through with the scout, just dealing with it. The brother, not really that bothered by the fact that he's been haunted by children, child ghosts, the worst kind of ghosts. We all know that the worst yeah, kind of ghosts. very true. Oh, just, but the, I am shook by that clog story. I, I can't deal with it. And it's so simple. So like nothing, nothing happens <laughs> no. really. Only a clog is seen over and over again. And it's not even like, and the clog was covered in blood. No, it's, it's just, just a clog. clog. No, but if you're in the middle no. of a forest, oh no, it, on a military exercise, and you see a clog over and over again, I'd be fucking. I mean, shit it'd be myself. terrifying enough if every two hundred meters you came past a, a different clog at oh, yeah. the foot of a tree. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, but the same clog, and then to think you dealt with it, and then it rocks up at your barracks. Oh my gosh, I can't even deal with that. That's horrendous, isn't it? The Hungry Ghost Festival was really interesting. Like, yeah. as a festival, I think I know, I think I've read a bit about this, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't feel comfortable enough in whether you I'm thinking don't of that culturally or something insensitive. else. But the other thing that was quite terrifying wasn't even this part of the story was talking about their friends with the third eye seeing the spirits swarming around the gifts. Yeah, because their family hadn't thought to have gifts for them after they died. Yeah. And I have to, like, I'm a big lover of old traditions, you know? I love them and I think we should keep them alive. I think they're important. And you know what? I agree. If they're keeping us safe and we don't know about yeah. it, I'm all for it. The, uh, Hell Money is, uh, features in one of the games I've played for 31 games, Terracle Paper Dolls. You have to burn. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the Chinese. It's, it, I think it might be the Japanese equivalent of it. But you burn money for the dead so they've got something on the other side. Um, it's like a paper gold leaf thing. I'm quite fascinated by yeah. death culture in other yeah. countries. Because we, I didn't realise that our, like, Irish people's death culture was kind of that different to um, a lot of English people's death culture. And then if you have, like, there's there's lots of different cultures where people, you know, dig up their dead for years after their de- they die, once a year, to celebrate with their bodies. How wild is that? I mean, you're getting me taxidermied when I die, aren't you? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. You don't have any choice in that. I'm getting you taxidermied. <laughs> And if you enjoyed this week this week's episode, you can find everything that you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send your own story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. We're finally 
getting to a point where the stories are starting to slow down. So we might be able to catch up on ourselves. That is not an invitation for everybody <laughs> to frantically send in as many stories as they can. But we might start getting on top of ourselves but now. of course, if you have got a story, please do send it in. Oh, yes, absolutely. Please do send it in. Um, you can find the link to our Patreon on our website. And if you can't be bothered, it's patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $2 a month, you get access to... Lots of different episodes of 50p Movie Club, which is a podcast that I used to do with Will and I now do with Dave, where we get a movie from the 50p movie section in CEX. We watch it and it's normally quite bad and we talk about it. And for $5 a month, you get access to the complete back catalogue of Tiny Tales, which is an extra weekly episode where we talk about spooky occurrences, cryptids. We do some Bigfoot erotica. I mean, doing Bigfoot erotica is probably not what I meant to say. We both got a psychic reading as well, which we recorded and played on there. So if you want to hear all that stuff, you can do so for $5 a month. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.